Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today in the pod, Anu Schultes, the CEO of LendUp, a fintech company that provides loans and credit cards to underserved communities. Pod fans, brace yourself for this one. It's a little longer, but man, is this a powerful episode. I teared up while doing it, and the story is amazing and the inspiration is so strong. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Anu's story is really a testament to how much attitude influences the outcome of your life. She had so many difficulties along the way, but she kept her head up and let nothing get in the way of her goal to become a CEO. It's really amazing how just by making your thoughts a little more positive, that your life will get better over the long run. I mean, how cool is that? Not an easy thing to do, though. I think this story will help put things in perspective. At least it did for me. We all have so much to be grateful for. I have my loving family, my healthy daughter, my hardworking co-founders, my silly dog. I could go on and on. What's important is reframing the hardships that we all go through. And yes, they're difficult and they suck. But by focusing on the good, the learning opportunities, the overcoming the challenges, we get stronger and smarter. And if we truly believe in ourselves, then we could become the CEO the way Anu did. Okay, let's get into it. Anu, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for for being here. Thank you for having me on the podcast, Alex. You have a very interesting story as well. (laughs) Um, Well, this podcast is all about your story. The the, the (laughs) listeners are are sick and tired of probably hearing about my story. I talk about it all the time. Um, But you're the CEO of of a company called LendUp, and we'll get into uh, what that is and the mission. And and really, I want this podcast to be of, you know, how everything got you to this place where you can be the CEO of a a great big fintech company. So where did you grow up? I grew up in India, uh, and even within India, I had I grew up. Uh, half of my schooling was in the south, uh, Chennai, where my where I'm from, um, and half of it was in Delhi uh, because my dad worked for the central government. Okay, and were your parents like they worked for companies? They were entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like so, my dad um, worked for the government, mm-hmm. so he was a lifetime government employee. Uh, he was an engineer, electrical engineer by trade. And my mom, she, early, early, when I was very young in first grade, she was a teacher, but at some point she decided, I think soon after that, decided to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom. So I was a home, my mom was a homemaker, my dad was a government employee. And so uh, what, was, what brought you to the United States? So, you know, it's interesting. At the time, you know, when I was graduating college, it was 1990, and there was definitely a strong... Uh, push or those, the environment was such that it felt like, you know, going to the U.S. is going to give everyone bigger opportunities. Um, and I definitely felt strongly that I want to come to the U.S. for graduate education. And <clears throat> I can't pinpoint exactly when I decided that, but it was definitely early in my college career because I had to prepare for the GRE and I started doing that. I took the GRE in my junior year and I remember prepping for almost a year for it. So I know early in my college career, I decided my next step would be graduate school. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, what was that like? Like leaving home and family and like going to a faraway place? Yeah, it's you know, I think sometimes it's good to be young and fearless, right? You're looking forward to the experience and not necessarily worrying about what's going to happen. Uh, my parents knew that I wanted to go to the U.S. and my sister came a year ahead of me. She um, 
So my parents had one request for us to not be on separate continents. <laughs> so we, so she was a year ahead of me. So those I knew a little bit. I had friends who had been to the U.S. and would come back for the summer, uh, but I really didn't have. I was just excited to say, "Oh, it's a new country. I'm gonna go get a master's degree. That it's you know my career is gonna take off. It's the land of opportunity." I totally, totally bought into the American dream, and uh, got on a plane with literally just two large suitcases and $750. That was the allowed amount that you could take out of the country at the time. Right. I mean, you're, you're right about this being young and fearless and just not putting uncertainty ahead of opportunity. And you just go and do something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it uh, like at, at this point in your life, like you can't imagine moving somewhere with $750. Like that's crazy. Oh my, yeah, I, I mean, know. My daughters are now, you know, across one of them is across the country. And I'd say to myself, I'm letting her do this. I can't believe I'm letting her do this. And of course, my kids are pretty sharp. They're like, hello, you moved like 10,000 miles. But I tell them I moved after college. I was in my 20s. Right. Yeah. Um, so you come to America for, and do you get, what uh, graduate school do you go to? I went to Case Western Reserve University in uh, Cleveland. Uh-huh. Um, they It was a program. It was a master's in management science. Was The focus was a field called operations research. And I had full scholarship for master's. And I had to have it because, you know, right. we, I grew up middle class. My parents couldn't afford to put me through grad school. Mm-hmm. So it was important for me to have that full tuition and a stipend. Right. So you, you moved to the U.S., you go to Case Western. How long is that program? Two years? Two years, Two yeah. years. And, uh, and what are you thinking once, once you're there? So uh, very quickly, I uh, met the person who would be my husband uh, we've been married 27 years. And so I was still very focused on my career. So the two choices were um, consider additional graduate school, go to a PhD program. Actually, I was pretty convinced that that's what I want to do. My entire family, like my my sister, her husband, my husband, they're all in PhD programs. Oh, wow. And, and definitely I felt like, okay, I should do a PhD program because for me, learning is a lifelong thing. If I was independently wealthy, I'd probably be like permanently in school. Um, but then incidentally, I got a job offer through a campus interview, uh, for a company that was based in San Francisco and the the CEO had graduated from case. And so he would send his exec once a year to kind of, you know, get a few campus, few graduate students from the campus interview. So I had the offer in San Francisco and then I had the opportunity to join my husband in the PhD program at Georgia Tech. Um, we were both very, very broke. Uh, and the offer seemed, there were two things. One was the concept of, oh, I actually get to make a little bit of money was really great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, also, as an immigrant, there aren't that many companies that make you an offer, and so it was felt like a unique opportunity. And third, I really connected with the exec who came to interview me. So I felt like, oh, I can learn from him, and is this something I can explore? And I told myself, well, I'd give it a shot for a year, I can always, you know, either defer the PhD or I can decide after a year or through that process whether I want to switch back to right. a PhD. So I moved to California and my husband was, he had graduated a year before me from Case and he went, so Georgia. he was in Georgia Tech. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing like a long distance yes. as you start your new career in life, but it's like, it's the same uh, ideology. It's like, let's just, let's just go and do and move and like not be fear, fearful. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, you know, in hindsight, I realized I was a little bit fearless, but I never, I actually thought of myself as fairly timid. I know my family and my friends will laugh at it, but it was a culture shock coming to the U.S. And in India, when you grow up, if you're really good at something, you don't talk about it. 
It's not. You're respected more if you don't boast about yourself. Mm. Yeah, it's opposite Even here. Even at work. It's the opposite <laughs> yeah. of here. If you don't talk about yourself, people think you don't know what you're doing. Right. I wish we and, could have some of that, some of that uh, Indian mentality here. <laughs> but it took me a long time to figure that out. And so I just kind of, you know, got the job, moved here, but I didn't realize that it was something fearless that I was doing. I was just kind of right. felt timid. Again, it was the opportunity. It was so exciting to be in San Francisco. This was when you could rent an apartment in Pacific Heights for $600. Mm-hmm. You can't do it anymore. Um, in hindsight, also, I didn't make that much money right, compared to what we get paid now or what, what I pay entry-level graduates now. But it was the opportunity. The job itself was so exciting. And my husband and I felt like with one of us working, we could actually get married sooner rather than later. Right. And so what was the job? So today it would be called data scientist, but what it was was I joined Providian, which is uh, a credit card company, and I joined the credit department as an analyst. But my very first job was to build a scoring model, um, and I was able to build a model because we had access to internal customer data. I was able to build a model that beat the FICO score for Providian. Obviously, it was you know proprietary to Providian, so we weren't using it for others. But that was my first mo- first job. It took me a year. Um, but then I was in that modeling role for almost four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, yeah. Must, you must have liked the job. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I loved the company. I loved the job. I loved my boss. And I was learning a lot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then so did your husband eventually come out to San Francisco? Oh, our, Alex, if you want to go through my personal <laughs> life, that's like a whole two hours. <laughs> um, he graduated eventually. If I, like, that was the other thing. That PhD feels like it takes forever. Yeah. He graduated and he did join me. Um, I want to say five years later. Oh, wow. That's a long time. That is a long time. That's hard. Yeah, it was hard. And you realize that no matter, like I was making money, but between, you know, living in San Francisco, which even for the, you know, it was cheaper than it is now, Sure, but, but it was still relatively expensive compared to what I was making. Yeah. Um, and having a long distance relationship where we're flying to see each other. And of course, back then, you probably... Uh, you're probably young enough that you don't know this. Like phone bills were like by the minute. Uh-huh. Like my phone, our phone bills would be like three hundred dollars a month. <laughs> it would depend on how much we talked. Yeah, uh, it was definitely uh, tough. But I was by then. I was. I really, really loved my job. And at that point, I was like, I'm gonna see this through. Sure. So yeah. you're there, you're there for, for four years, and, and what happens next? Actually, I stayed at the company for almost eight years. Okay, so my but husband you're in that moved. Data. To, yeah, and then. Uh, we had our first child because my husband, he and I had decided that we can't have a kid while he's still in school and we're apart, right? So uh, we had our first child, and that definitely reprioritized a lot of things for me. Right. Um, first of all, we couldn't live in the city because it was hard to. We realized that it would be hard to raise a child in a very small apartment. Mm-hmm. So we moved to San Jose, and that was so. It, now suddenly, I had a long commute into the city, and I had the an infant. Right. And I was unprepared, I think, for what it would do to my psyche in terms of my focus on my job. I really started to question, can I succeed at work? Can I succeed at work and still be a good mom? Like, am I being a bad mom by having such a long commute, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's this constant struggle. I mean, I basically, uh, 18 months, when she was 18 months old, my husband got a job in academia in Ohio, and it's a job he, you know, it's hard to actually get an academic job. It's not that easy when you're fresh out of a PhD sure. program. So when he got that, and I had been struggling with, am I doing the right thing for my child? And we, I took another leap of faith. I quit my job. At the top of my game, I would say at Providian, I was a VP. I was running the front-end acquisitions program for their 
U.S. you know prime business, which were the bread and butter. And I went to my boss and said, "I'm leaving." And they're like, "What can we do? Like, is it money? Is it, you know?" Yeah. And they even said, "Oh, don't quit yet. Go ahead and move. We'll figure out something long distance for you." And I actually was on the payroll for another six months. And and really, there wasn't a role you could do at a company like Providian that was uh, remote. And this is not today, right? Yeah, we're not as well connected. Sure. Um, and so, but I just took a leap of faith and said, "I'm going to prioritize my child," and you know, give my husband a shot at the career he wants. And we picked up and moved. And we went from two incomes living in the Bay Area to one income in the suburb of Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, a much lower income yeah, as well. Yeah, tech income, VP tech income versus one uh, academic academic in, yes, uh, income. Yes. But cost of living much yeah, less. Yeah, but so. we were able to buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny but, how yeah, that works? Yeah, four bedroom house, brand new, like a yard. and Right. Yeah, it was like the, truly the American dream. Yeah. And I was like, I can make this trade off. Sure. Um, okay. So, so how, like, how did his career go? How did your career, like, did you, how did that, how did that period work for you? So, um, that was a very hard period for me. So I didn't realize that California is different. I know it sounds really naive, but I also had this, I was, you know, still young. I had just, I think I was 30, 31, still had so much optimism. I said, oh, you know, U.S. has been great. You know, I got a great education. I ended up in a great job. You know, it was a meritocracy. I moved up so fast. You know, in eight years, I was VP in a large organization. And I felt like, you know, I should be able to go find a job that I want, that Mm -hmm. I love, anywhere in the U.S. And that wasn't the case. Um, My ethnicity and my gender weren't top of mind for me because it hadn't been before. Right. I was two years on a campus at international students, and then I was eight years in the Bay Area, like six of them in the city. And so I kind of was unprepared that I would have to prove myself all over again. Huh. And I was basically told in many large companies in Ohio, hey, we don't hire into management if you don't have a MBA. Or have you considered joining the IT group? And I remember coming home after these interviews or these information interviews that I'd asked for and being really dejected and telling my husband, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Like, I don't know why we came here. Is this the right thing? And, you know, in hindsight, it must have been really hard for him, too, because he was trying to get tenure at a university. And that's very all-consuming. All-consuming. Plus, he has he the pressure. baby. And the then, baby and the pressure of you leaving your job. I mean, yeah, it's, those, those so are not easy. It was, a, it was a tough, tough four years. And... Uh, what I ended up doing is, so I, we had another child, and when I was pregnant with her, I decided, you know, if it's an MBA that I need, and this, it's an MBA that this community, or the business community here wants to tell me that I can get into a management role, then it's an MBA I'll get. So um, I literally had, I took GMAT, I think, four days before I gave birth. <laughs> <laughs> my second child, because I was worried that once the baby comes out, I oh, won't yeah. be able to take it. Right. So I rushed it, and uh, I aced the exam, and I thought, oh, with this score and with my background, I could probably go to any IV. But, you know, I was in Ohio, so I told my husband I want to go to a ranked institution. And he was at the University of Cincinnati. The MBA program was good, but not ranked. And so I decided to apply to the only ranked institution that was at the time. I mean, case would have been too far, um, but... Uh, Ohio State was ranked, and it was 90 miles from my home. So I applied, and I got in, and I commuted for two years. Wow. You did the full-time MBA. I did the full-time MBA, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But it was worth it for me because that program, because I went in with a very specific goal of learning, I also knew that I felt in my head that I wasn't as good at finance as I should be if I want to, you know, really move into upper level management. Somewhere along the way, late 90s, you know, mid 90s, I decided someday I want to be CEO. I don't know what, right? It was just a goal. Um, And I felt like I needed to learn about finance. I decided if I'm going back for an MBA, I'm going to do it in finance. And the lights just turned off in this room, but there we go. <laughs> that was funny. Maybe something I said. <laughs> um, yeah, the the lights didn't like you talking about finance uh, at a at a finance conference. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so you go do this for two years. You're having you have the kids. You're doing the ninety minute commute or ninety mile uh, commute. Yeah, two commute. hours each way. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like, what kind of job are you thinking you're going to get? Like at the, at, at the other side of this. So. You know, I think in hindsight, I'm just always an optimist. Like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get my dream job. Like, I don't know what it was. It was something around finance. It was going to put me back closer to where I was income-wise, right? I knew I had to take a pay cut for Ohio. Mm -hmm. But from a level perspective, that I would get a job that's commensurate with where I was. Um, That wasn't the case. (laughs) So I did have a lot of opportunities through Ohio State. And I think the other thing was... I had, you know, I had almost eight to 10 years experience and I'd been in senior management and then in a program, in full-time program, not in an exec MBA, but so right. there was it's, like, it's a different... you know, the jobs that other people would get super excited about, I would be like, but I've already done this. Yeah. Um, but I still was, I, I do consider myself fortunate. Two things happened. I got a job in Cincinnati, which was like a totally different, it was a branding company and it wasn't a senior exec, but it was totally different from what I've done. They really wanted me because of my analytical background, and it would keep us in Cincinnati because my husband was working there. Um, but then I got a job at a bank called National City um, in Cleveland, and it was to head a product for their home equity portfolio. And it was a very large portfolio. It's, this company was very big into mortgage. It was a $6 billion portfolio, and I was recruited to run their product. And I thought, well, this is exciting. I haven't done product before. I have kind of feel like I've mastered finance, at least academically, mm-hmm. Um, and then my husband around the same time, uh, felt like, you know, he he had tried academia and he wanted to leave academia. Um, that should probably be a own pack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, and so he said, you know, you've already kind of spent four years here trying to make it work. Let's just, you know, let's just go back to Cleveland as in that's where we met. Um, and let's try it and I'll find either a teaching job or I'll figure out what I want to do. And so we moved to Cleveland. Um, and I joined National City. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, this is I, I, this is a fun. This is the story. It's, it's so it's so interesting. It's like it's exactly what I want. The ups and downs. And um, okay, so did your uh, did your husband find a job there too right away? He did not. And so you know, I think part of our journey is also the two party problem, right? I don't know how many couples get the two of them both have dream jobs right. in the same city without much of a commute. Uh, if there are people like that, I want to meet them. <laughs> So um, he didn't, and then National City culturally was very different for me. I came from a, like my last job is still Providian. I know it's been four years, but it was still Providian. Uh-huh. A meritocracy where you come in, you do a lot of good stuff, and you can move up, right. or you can, if you're feeling like you need a change, you can move laterally. Uh, National City, it was a very storied institution, you know, 100 billion plus bank. Right in six states, you know, very, fairly rigid culture. And while I was able to learn a lot and do a good job, 
I really didn't feel like I belonged. Mm. I felt like it could be a lifetime career for me, but it would be slow and steady and you know, it would be a good life, right? right? But I'm that's not, not saying that's yeah. not what I, like it wasn't no, no, fulfilling you're a for go, me. You're a, you're a go-getter. <laughs> <laughs> slow and steady is not going to be the, the one for you. I, and I thought, but then we bought the perfect like dream house and I thought, okay, <laughs> okay. I got my dream house so I can put up with the sort of a, maybe a career that's, you know, middling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem was he also did not get his dream job. So it's like you can't be where neither one right. has a fulfilling career. One should have it. Right. I mean, At least all, one should have your, it. I mean, Ideally, you'd both have it. You're but. making lots of compromises here. House, career, both careers, kids. Oh, I mean, and it's kids, a commute. And, and there's, like a, there's just a lot of uh, things that go into this, uh, into your spectrum. Yes. So out of the blue, he got a job in Florida. It was, they were looking for a PhD. They were looking, this is working, it was a department of defense contractor. They wanted someone like him. They were like, you know, name your price. We want you. We want to hear next week. And, you know, he had done the whole year and a half of what's next. I'm going to do a little consulting. I'm going to do teaching here and there. And and it was very upsetting to me because even though I wasn't super excited about my job, but I felt like, oh, I love this house. We just settled and we've moved so much and, mm-hmm. you know, and then I have to move with kids and right. I know you're going to laugh but probably. I had, now I was expecting the third child yeah. and we already decided we we're done after three and I was like, I'm pregnant. How are we going to do this? I'll have to find a job and I'm pregnant. But he, I knew it was the right thing for him. We knew it was the right thing for him. My job wasn't my dream job. So we said, here we go again. Right. We're going to move to Florida. So he actually moved, went with one of my kids who was not in school yet because my in-laws lived there. And then I followed with my, you know, first grader. And I was like eight months pregnant and wow. followed to Florida. Wow. Yeah, I know. My story will just go on and this on. Is, Alex, I don't getting, know. Are you sure you want to get into this? It keeps getting better. I'm like, usually by, like, by this point, it's like, okay, yeah, now I became the, the, this, this company. And I still have like no idea how it, how, how it, how it gets to where it is today. <laughs> People have asked me, if I'm going to write a book and have I thought about who's going to play me? <laughs> um, so I went to Florida and that was also hard. It was great in many ways because the Florida weather and just, it just felt much closer to what I'm used to between the heat and yeah, just the, even the little things like the plants that grow in India grow in Florida. Mm. You know, it just, you know, yeah. brings home Stuff a little bit. Stuff that feels bit. like home, yeah. Yeah. Um, there were no banks headquartered there. Mm. And so it was basically wealth, Florida is a lot of wealth management and a lot of um, healthcare, right? And so my husband was really excited about his job. And I was like, I don't want to stay home. Um, I don't want to just spend another four years looking for what's next. So I actually found a job at Home Shopping Network and I convinced them to hire me. Uh, It was a senior manager job making a lot less than what I was making last at National City, which is already lower than what I used to make in California. Uh, but I convinced the recruiter, hey, get me in. My minimum is this. Get me in the door for an interview. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't work. Just getting me in the interview is not you committing to paying me that much. Right. So I went in for an interview. It went really well. Because I, you know, when you've done a lot of stuff, you're not going to interview like a senior manager. You're going to tell them everything you can do. And both the hiring manager and another person who was on my interview list, who was a different department, they both wanted to hire me. And so it's part of that. They couldn't change the title, but they paid me what I wanted, but I came in as a senior manager. So now I'm three levels removed from a VP. So that was my last role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I had a blast because I built a direct mail, direct marketing program for them. Like I brought all of my experience uh-huh. 
And my whole thing was I want to add value. Like, I, right. I'm here, you're paying me. I want to make a difference. I want to come into work feeling excited. And I built a really great direct marketing program I mean, it's for It's very them. simple what you want. You just want to create, provide value. Like, you don't care about industry, location, right. function, title. Like, you just want to, you just want to do. Right. And then I had a long-term goal of being a CEO. So my whole thing was every job I'm doing is it getting me giving me a skill or experience that's going to help me later. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a grand plan on how I'm going to get there. Right? Right. Clearly, I didn't. It was just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, if I'm here, I want to, you know, like maybe fill in my experience a little bit more in a different way. And Home Shopping Network was great. It was so different from anything I had done. It was just, it expanded my horizons. I'm like, there's a whole other world outside right. financial services, which is just totally different. Yeah. It's about brand and it's about personalities. It's about celebrities and it's about selling on TV. And I figured out how to use direct marketing to drive more sales on TV, which I thought was, you know, in hindsight, it was brilliant, uh-huh. but I kind of poured my heart into it. And that was, I stayed there for two years. Wow. That's so cool. And, and uh, that, that, was, is, uh, that was owned by Barry Diller? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible business. Like when, yeah, when, yeah. when you were it's there. Just, we, they had 52 million customers. You were there like during like the, the heyday of all this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was great. It was awesome. It was different, right? And culturally also Florida was different, but yeah. it was definitely awesome. Uh-huh. Um, but there was no path. Like I was not in the core business. Right? If you're not in a company's core business, right. you're always almost dead. Not that not as a person, you're not a throwaway, but the business is a throwaway. Like you could always decide a core business, something you want to divest. Right. Every company can decide that. Right? In hard times, the first things to go are the you know auxiliary things that mm-hmm. are in the core business. Yeah, you got to be close close to the to the revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a TV company, and I had no there was no way I was going to get myself into that part of the business. Right. I wasn't qualified. I didn't want to. It was just a whole bunch mm-hmm. of things. Um, and then my husband's job went so well. They said, "Hey, you're doing such a great job. We're going to promote you." Um, and I was like, "Oh, great! Finally, like it's all working. <laughs> Both happy." Um, and as part of that, they really wanted him to go work on a contract in Texas, in El Paso. So he's like, well, we shouldn't move again. I was like, right. And then he said, I'll just travel. I'll be out 100%. Like, I'll come home on weekends. So now I have three kids, right? Yeah. So my kids are an infant, you know, four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And I am working. And it's a job where I didn't see a path. And... We just, I just sat down with my husband and, you know, he, he and I have always been supportive of each other. So I mean, obviously you're very, very very supportive of each other. (laughs) And I said, if you're going to travel anywhere, why don't we just pick where I want to be? And then you can travel anyway. Right. Yeah. What do you need to be? If you're only going to be home on weekends. Yeah. Just, so I moved back to California with three kids Uh and all the stuff without my husband. Like he And no job. Yeah. No job. Like, well, I actually, before we moved, I called, LinkedIn was fairly new. I Uh found my coworkers, my boss, my friends, working at a very small company called Account Now in San Ramon, California. And I reached out and I came in and interviewed and I knew everybody. They knew me. I knew the board members. It was just like coming was, home, right. right? Yeah. And they made me an offer and and then a friend of a friend had a furnished house that was sitting empty close to the job. This is in Santa Monica? San Ramon, California. Santa Monica, so it's, okay, yeah, yeah, it's okay, outside yeah. San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, we moved. We moved with without our stuff, but with suitcases. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Me, the kids, like we literally moved into this house that was furnished, uh, that I was able to get for rent for a year through a friend. Right. And it was close to work. And I said, well, it's a very short commute, five minute commute. Three okay, kids. That's a good, you know, I can, and then yeah. close to the elementary school, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, my husband's traveling, but I can make this work. Wow. So that's how I got into the space I'm in now, which is 
focusing on products for the underserved. Mm-hmm. So that was 2007. And housing oh, crash had already started in Florida. Oh, yeah. Well, Florida was, yeah. Right. Yeah, Florida was first. Yeah. And I had a house I was trying to sell. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Are you sure you want to go through the your rest dream, of this? Your dream like- house that, yeah, yeah, you need to sell that, like... Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. get this and we new- had built it. We had built it from oh, scratch. Yeah. Wow. I was like, I'm settling. So when we moved to Florida, I was like, we're done moving. Yeah. Florida's great. My in-laws are here. You know, family's here. Weather's great. This feels like right. almost like home. We can like make a life here. And yeah. so we built our house and then the housing market was crashing and uh-huh. we didn't obviously pick up on it. Right. Everybody knew by 2008, the market crashed, but not in 2007. 2007 no, there was like still the heyday of it. People the, yeah. Still, yeah. Still yeah. People are still second mortgages selling. And stuff exactly. And, People are still flipping houses in Florida. Like in the, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I came to Kanao. Um, it was family pretty much. Like I knew everybody. So my whole equation was I'm changing so much. I have, I'm coming back with kids. My husband's not going to be there every day to support me. So I need to control for something. So I need to be in a job where I don't have to prove myself as soon as I get there. Like I'm coming in with credibility. Mm-hmm. And so I went into that job th- with the knowing that they will be my support system as well. And so I think for that time, that was like my optimized decision, you yeah. know? And it was the right thing I did because I discovered my passion for underserved. And I've decided since that this is the area I'm going to spend the rest of my right, So career. finally you found a, like an industry that you really care about. Yes. All this other home shopping and, and everything right, else. Right. It wasn't, there's was like, you liked the job, but it wasn't, it wasn't the, the industry that you, that you product yeah. that, that you care yeah. about. So now you got the product you care about. You're working on a team. It's close. You're living close to the office. So it's like, you're checking a lot of boxes now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, summer of 2008, mm-hmm. I, um, found a lump and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, wow. So that was, uh, I mean, literally, you know, these days stick in your mind. So it was July when I found the lump and early September, September 5th was my first appointment. Uh, I was in treatment. Like I had my surgery at the end of September and I started chemo on Halloween day, 2008. Wow. And so that was a journey that took, I was in treatment for a full year. I didn't finish till end of 2009, like October, 2009, but account now I would say saved me like. My husband was still traveling right, because still traveling. my insurance was through his job because I was in a startup. Right. And so he couldn't just quit and move home. We still had the house in Florida. I mean, it was talk about a financial crisis, health crisis, like personal crisis. I'm like, am I going to make it? And I had so many regrets about moving to California. I said, I did this to us. I put us in a financial bind. I insisted on moving here. I could have stayed in Florida. I would have cost less. You know, we could have wrote out the financial crisis without having to sell the house. Yeah. And um, and my husband was like, but you probably still would have had cancer. Like you can't, you yeah. know, we can't control for everything. And he's like, you shouldn't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came out of it. I mean, it was a probably I hit bottom. You know, that's when you're like, you're not worried about your career. You're worried, like I, you're my right. focus was. Health, yeah. My, not just my health, like my kids. <laughs> right? family. My yeah, son I mean, the, is like three and really my oldest things, is. Yeah. 10, and I'm like, what's my husband going to do with three kids? Like, am I going to leave him in debt, right? A house in Florida with really no other assets and leaving him with three young kids. Am I going to make it? And so, um, but Akana was great, right? So I didn't, the lights went out again. It's something I'm saying. <laughs> um, I basically decided that I have to survive. It's not an option I have. Like, I strongly felt that my kids... No one else could take care of my kids like I could. Mm-hmm. And 
Akauna was super supportive, right? I would work. I didn't, I didn't go on disability. I scheduled my chemos either Thursday or Friday, depending on how strong the chemo was. If the chemo was strong, the doctor said take it on a Thursday because I had to come back for a follow-up on Friday. Um, when it was a little bit, when it was weekly, then I did it Fridays. And I would leave work at 2.30, a coworker would drive me, and um, an exec admin would pick up my kids from school and bring them home. And then my coworker would bring me back home. And then my husband would come home from the airport around 7 o'clock. And I'd be back at work on Monday. And Akana was part of that group that just held me together. But I did a lot of great work, you know, and that's also when I lost my fear at work. I'd always been fearless from, I think I can go do that. But I'd still been in the back of my head. I was still a little bit timid. You know, should I say this in a meeting? How will that be perceived? Is that going to hold me back? Will I not get promoted if I piss my boss off? Right? Things like that. When you're going through chemo and your life is upside down and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, you kind of say, you know what? I don't care what they think. I'm just going to say what I believe is true. And if they don't like me, that's just too bad. And it was just liberating. (laughs) The question is, if all of us, I think especially women, because we talk down to ourselves a lot, if you could just get that fearlessness without going through cancer, that would, I'm telling you, the world would be a better place. Without hitting rock bottom, you have to... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be be a good good product to package up and uh, and deliver to to Yeah, and so coming out of that, suddenly my career took off, Alex. It was like the craziest thing. It was not what I thought would happen, Mm -hmm. but it was the fact that I let go of my fears of failure. Am I going to be successful? I've moved around a lot. I was a VP at 30. Here I am 10 years later, bald, thinking I'm going to die. You know, financially, we are very, very on the brink, you know. And I'm like, what happened to my career? Look at my friends. Like, some of them are already millionaires because Google went, you know, public. And I have friends who are, you know, CEOs of other companies. They were all, we are all the same graduating class. And I'm like, what's happening with my life? But coming out of it, because I kind of said, it's okay. I am where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go forward in three things, right? I want to find a job I love. I want to stay in this industry. And every day I want to make a difference. And I want to right-size my life for my kids because I have an obligation to make sure that they get set in terms of their education and figuring out what they want. Right. Not that I, it's not about leaving them money. It's about getting them set up for success so they can find their path. Yeah. And so suddenly my career took off. So at account now, um, but you know, as, Four months after I finished everything, I moved on because Blackhawk Network in Pleasanton, they're the leading provider of gift. They were starting a business for the underserved, and they recruited me. And I think two things. I wanted a change of place. I was It was heartbreaking because I was leaving my friends who literally like nurtured me. Right. They were, very, they were your family. Yeah. But then I also needed to financially be more stable. Right, yeah. And I kind of was still a startup. Blackhawk yeah. was a very large, profitable company. So I said, okay, it's still in the same space, mm-hmm. and I think I can go do it. And that's when, when my career took off. I was able to, you know, for the underserved, I built a business that had a billion dollars in deposits within three years of me getting there. Wow. I think it was just the fact that I suddenly said, I know what I can do. I'm just going to go try it. And I'm not going to be timid. Not, no one will remember me as timid, but you always hold, I was always holding myself back a little bit. And so suddenly I really went into work saying, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to treat people well. I'm going to focus on results. And I built this amazing business. Wow. And I thought, oh, my God, I can do it. I became a GM of that business. I built a billion-dollar business. Um, I launched the very first T-Mobile branded product that was national. 
And I was flying high. I thought, wow, I finally like, it's almost like I even remember telling my husband, I think I've caught up for all the time I've lost. Like, had I been here, right, my trajectory would have been this way. Mm -hmm. I went all over, yeah, but I finally am in that place. I've caught up. Like, I'm even now. Like, life is even. Uh, you know, you, you could always compare yourself to people that, like, you know, went had their path and you think their path is straight up. I, I don't even know if a straight up path exists. Maybe for, for you know, the people the media makes it out to be. But everyone's path goes up and down. But it's like, it's so difficult you know, comparing ourselves to what other people have and what other people, yeah. what other people in your same class, you're saying they're, they're becoming CEOs and, and that wasn't your journey. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you wouldn't be the person you are. Had you not gone right. and so, all these hardships and difficulties? And so now I can tell you, like I hit my 10 year mark, um, October of last uh, 2018, 10 year post cancer. Mm -hmm. And I am grateful. That's the moment I realized I'm so grateful. I went through what I did. Like I am not, I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't have the exact journey I had, you know? I live my life with gratitude and it's propelled my success because I stopped worrying about, am I going to become a CEO? Because it was no longer important. I focused on outcomes. I focused on what I love to do. I focused on people. And suddenly I was making things happen that I didn't even know I could make happen, right? Because wow. it came out of a place of, I'm just going to try it. Right. What is the worst that could happen? Yeah. Any, the worst that could happen to me at work will not be worse than what I've already been through. Right. I would still have my kids. I would have my life. I'd be breathing. I could feel the sun, right? So you lose that and you suddenly realize you could do so much more. If all of us could just stop worrying about things and just focus on doing the right thing, we would all change the world. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like this idea of like, you know, chasing purpose versus chasing money. People say, oh, I want to go make a lot of money. It's like, uh, And then focus on purpose, but it doesn't yeah, work that way no. because you spend so much energy chasing money. You make sacrifices that you probably shouldn't have made. Right. So uh, Blackhawk story was great. And then I got laid off <laughs> because as a company, they decided they wanted to refocus on gift mm -hmm. and really there wasn't a place for me. Um, and so I thought, wow, like. I hit my peak. I got all caught up. Um, and then by now we had sold the Florida house eventually. We bought a house in, you know, Danville and like things were looking great. My husband was still traveling. Uh -huh. um, and, and I was like, even then I was very optimistic. I'm like, oh, I'll find something, you know. And then I had another health scare. I had a major surgery. So I was in, you know, I was basically recovery for three months. And uh -huh. I'm like, I'm in crisis again. I have a health crisis. <laughs> I don't have a job. And... Um, but coming out of that, I decided, you know, I know I can build a large business. I know I have, I've now understood what I'm able to do. And so I decided I'm going to focus on either early stage startups or, uh, small to medium so that I can control the outcomes for whatever I build. If I'm going to go build a billion dollar business somewhere, I want to be able to control the outcome of it and not have someone else tell me it's not important to us anymore. Um, so I ended up in a startup for a year and a half. It was a small, it was at the ground floor level. It was a, a mobile-based gifting startup. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the space I wanted, but I really wanted to, I knew I could help them out a lot. And so I stayed there till Series A, but then summer of 2017, Landup called or a recruiter called and I thought, oh my God, this is the space I need to be in. Yeah. This is my mission. Right. I don't, as much as I loved the group I was in and I loved them and they loved me, I thought... This is, you know, destiny calling. I yeah. know it sounds very cliche, but, and I was already a CEO at a startup. To me, I felt like that's the, you know, the last step before you want to be a CEO because you want to learn how to run a business. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, through interviews, I 
lined up offered me a GM role to run their loans business. And they said, it's not a C-level. It's not, you know, of the two businesses we have is the, you know, credit cards is our main focus, but we need somebody strong like you to come run this. And I thought, this is the space I want to be in. I want to solve for this loans. I've been thinking about creating a loans problem, a loans product for the underserved since 2009. Like I never got to it. Right. And so I took another leap of faith. I um, said, okay, I will take the job. I walked away from the startup, which I was like a ground floor, you know, person. Yeah. Um, and said, I'm just going to go figure this out at Lundup. And so I joined Lundup two, two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Less than two and a half, right? 2019. So I joined August 2017. Okay. And they bring you into run the loans the business. Loan, the loans business. Um, I was reporting to the COO. Uh-huh. Um, and then end of 2018, so I'd just been there a year and a few months. Um, we went through this market forces. We ended up selling the card business to a new group of investors who created a new company. Um, and the outgoing CEO really believed in what I had done and kind of said, hey, I think she's the right person. Um, and that's how I got the job. Wow. Pretty, pretty, pretty fast. Uh, I mean, like they say, you're, you're the GM of a of the of the the non-core, the less core business, and then they say, okay, well, now you're going to become the CEO of the entire thing. Yeah, in two years. Yeah, but well, it's not two years, right? I've been working I mean, for yeah. 27. So and that's the thing. People kind of sometimes people say, oh, like it's happened so fast. It's like people who become, you know, I've heard this from artists who who became overnight celebrities, but they've been on the grind for 10, 12 years. Yeah, John right? Lennon said it took us a lifetime to become an overnight success. Right, that's yeah. exactly. So it's not that it took so fast, but I'll tell you, it's a, and I haven't shared this publicly, but the day they told me that I'm going to be CEO, it was, I don't know if it was to the day, but it was the week that was my 10-year anniversary since wow. cancer. And I was like, the universe is just right. laughing at me. <laughs> the right? universe, it's just like yeah. this weird thing where you're like, Really? Like, to, and when I told, when, you know, the CEO and my boss CEO sat me down and said this to me, I just sat there. I think I was a little bit of disbelief because I was like, my, in my head, I was still processing my 10 year anniversary. My focus was on how far I've come and, you know, and, right. and I knew there was a possibility this could happen, that we would be splitting the company, but really, you don't think it's really going to happen. Yeah. And so I wasn't really saying, oh, am I going to find out today? I was more focused on, oh my God, 10 years. I made it. I am a survivor. I survived. I'm thriving. So that's that's where my head was. You're a survivor and your goal is attained. You're a CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Of a big company. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a story. I know. I just, I, I look back and I tell people, yeah, I have an interesting story, but I think there's many people like me out there who just don't get to tell their story. You know, know? I'm sure they don't get to tell their, their story. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, you're very, we're all very fortunate to be able to have this, have this opportunity, but, uh, I mean, I'm so happy that you are able to share your story so that people can hear about just how incredible it is and the the fearlessness that, that you've that you've gone and just going through it. Um, I I mean, I, I, it's so inspiring. Thank you, Alex. And you know what it's given me is just the other thing I hear sometimes is that you're so humble, and I tell them I'm so humble because. And first of all, I don't think of it as being humble. I think we should all just live with gratitude. Um, it's because I also know that. You know, you can get something and it can be gone. What you have to focus on is the now and do the right thing and give back to the community, give back to the shareholders, give back to your employees. I mean, I built a billion dollar business at my last company, right? And it was really gone. Like the business stayed, but the opportunity for me was gone. So it kind of grounded me again, right, post-cancer that you always want to do the right thing and there could be another dip and it's okay because there's another up 
after oh, and that. you had 100% confidence in yourself, like no one, right. no one, no one but you. Right. Right. Yeah. I know I can do it, and whatever challenges might come my way, because I'm sure there'll be more, because all of our lives have ups and downs. If you've had this many challenges, I mean, there's yeah, there's definitely there's definitely going to be more challenges. <laughs> Sorry, Anu, but there's going to be more challenges. But it's uh, I don't I mean, it's, it's not going to be a problem for you. You'll 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 cover it just like you have yeah. everything else. And I focus on my kids, and like you know, it's I've, and I'm very sensitive to what people go through in their life, mm-hmm. and so as a company, I like to build a culture where. We focus on the employee, their you know mental and physical health, and provide an environment they love to come to work. And so those are all the things I think about. It's shaped who I am as a person, but who I am as a leader also. Right. So, so. what do you, what do you think for your for your children? You told me you have you have three kids. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're going to have the kind of ups and downs and swings that that you had in your life. Like it seems, seems like they're starting off from a from a better position. Yeah. Obviously, and they're going to great so. schools and. Um, and so what do you, what kind of things, what kind of advice do you tell them? So, you know, I've, some of the things I've actually fully believed in that helped me is the focus on education, right? So my kids are definitely driven, um, they focus on education. They're very, of course, in the U.S., you want to get into a good college, you want to be, uh, have extracurricular and all that. So they have their interests, you know, um, but I think watching me, especially my daughters, because they were old enough to understand everything I went through, like there were six and 10 when the journey started, uh, it shaped their interest as well. You know, mm. my older one, um, she's pursuing, you know, bioengineering and computer science and wants to be involved in the medical field. So it kind of shaped her, you know, right. and my younger one, the year that I was going through treatment, we bought her her first guitar and she's really into music and she's pursuing sound engineering. And so it's a music and engineering combination so she's ecstatic about it. Um, and then my son is in high school, so we'll figure out, you know, he's really into math. We'll see what he does. So my advice to them is that follow what your heart says, follow your dream. And it's okay. Every now and then your dream will shift and it's okay. You don't have to tie yourself to whatever you thought in the beginning. Right. And also work hard, be kind. You know, it sounds so cliche, but this is what gets people through life, right? Work hard, be kind, and follow your dreams. Wow. Well, Anu, that's just like the best way to end this podcast. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I want to give you a hug now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you for the opportunity. And I hope that, you know, people will listen to it. Maybe some part of it will help them get through mm-hmm. the day or maybe they have a challenge. That's why I've decided to share my story because okay. someone is going to listen to it who's going through something yeah. and they say, you know what? It's okay. I can do it too. So well, thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. If you like moving up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends, helping us grow. Thank you.